So today we continue in our sermon series called Disciple, a study in the Gospel of Mark. We've been looking at the Gospel of Mark, discerning what it means for us to be followers or disciples of Jesus. Now today we're doing it a little bit differently. We're going to look to the text. We'll be in the Gospel of Mark chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn there with me. If you don't have a Bible and would like a paper copy of the Bible, you can get one on the table in the back. Of course, your digital device, you can also look up Bible in the App Store, and we're using the Christian Standard Bible version. We've been studying through the Gospel of Mark, looking at what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, and today we're going to discover two key things. Number one is our relationship to other disciples, and secondly, what the three key things that each disciple is called to do. Now, uh, maybe you're still trying to figure this whole Jesus thing out. Maybe even that word disciple is weird. And I just wanted to say, I hope today gives you a little bit of an insight as to why it is that we use that word. But throughout the Gospel of Mark, one of the things that you'll discover is uh, perhaps you're someone who's maybe curious about Jesus or still trying to figure this Jesus thing out, and you're giving Jesus a fair hearing. You're not quite sure what you think, but you're giving him a fair hearing. In the Gospel of Mark, people like you are called disciples. And perhaps maybe uh, for some of you, you've been following Jesus for decades and you know what you think about Jesus. Now, I want you to know that in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus calls people like you disciples. And so wherever you're at on the spectrum, we are called to be disciples of Jesus. Wherever you're at in your faith journey, if you're moving closer towards Jesus, that's called the process of discipleship. And today in chapter three, we will see how Jesus relates to us and how we relate to one another, and secondly, the three key things that he calls us to do. And then what we'll do is we'll take communion together as an act of remembrance, and then we will commission our first, seventh, and twelfth graders in this next season. And the reason that we do that is in light of one of the key points that we're about to discover here, namely that we are a church family. This is Mark 3, 13 through 15, and then verses 33 through 35. And so Jesus went up the mountain and summoned those who he wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, to be with him, to send them out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. And then in Mark 3, 33 through 35, and he replied to them, who are my mother and my brothers? Looking at those sitting in a circle around him, he said, here are my mothers and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of the Lord. Now, one of the things that we see first here is the way that Jesus relates to us and the, relate, uh, the way that Jesus' disciples are to relate to one another. The setting is this, is that Jesus had been teaching, traveling around the region, teaching and doing miracles, but one of the things that he would teach is that he could forgive sin, which was basically like saying, I'm God. And as family members often do when one of their other family members say that they're God, Jesus' family, they come out to get him and take him because they haven't fully understood the fullness of who Jesus is. And that's right for them to do, I think. Perhaps they did it out of love. Perhaps they did it out of embarrassment. But nonetheless, they approach Jesus to take him back home and perhaps put a little uh, ice bag on his head and see what happens. Maybe give him a little chamomile tea. But Jesus does not go with them and said, He defines for us what it means to be a disciple with other disciples. He says, look around you. These people, those who do the will of God, these are my mothers, my brothers, and my sisters. This is family. And this is key. For those of us that follow after Jesus as his disciples, the way that that he defines our relationship with one another is not as fellow consumers of spiritual religious goods and services, but rather as family. Here's what I mean. 
The church ain't Burger King. <clears throat> now, this is a lively bunch, I know, so I need you guys to keep a lid on it. Uh, <laughs> But some things that happen, sometimes what will happen is if the minister says something that's like patently obvious, but also powerful, uh, sometimes the church family would say like, amen. I don't know, just an idea. So just real quick, we're going to push rewind a minute. The church ain't Burger King. Okay, so Burger King's motto is your way right away. And there are many of us, quite frankly, who get upset at local churches because they ain't doing it my way right away. And I guarantee you, if you search the scriptures and the teachings of Jesus, you will never find that your expectation with your local church family should be your way right away. We are called together as family. And just like with our normal families, there's a lot of stuff that goes on that we don't like. Amen. Yeah, some of us are like, I want to say it, but they're sitting right next to me because it's a commissioning service. So I, get, I feel you. I feel you, fam. You don't need to worry about it. I got you. You make an eye contact. I see that you wanted to amen, but you're worried about the lunch convo if you were to say that. So that's fine. We'll give you a pass. Now, Jesus calls us together as a church family. That's one of the reasons why we're collectively doing this commissioning service today and the, way, the reason we collectively do these dedications. And so the way that we relate to one another is as family. And families are based on love. But it's not blood, it's not natural blood that binds us together, it's the blood of Christ that binds us together. And so we are bound together as family. But to what end? And as a church family, we are committed to helping one another be equipped to live as disciples of Jesus. That goes for adults and children. And for those of us that are parents, we have a specific responsibility to primarily to be the primary pastors of the home, the disciple makers of the home. And as a church family, we are committed to equipping you to do that to the best of our ability. But to be equipped to be a disciple of Jesus, what does that mean? Well, it means three key things, and you see it here in the text. Uh, perhaps you have seen uh, the image of the Last Supper, the paintings of the Last Supper. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You got like this group of people up there. Well, in the Gospel of Mark, you get some of their names. There's 12 of them in particular. But Jesus calls these disciples to him, and he calls them to do three things. See if you can pick out these three. He appointed the 12, whom he also named apostles, to be with him, to send them out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. Did you catch the three? Let's start with the weird one at the end the authority to cast out demons. Now, some of us are weirded out by that, and we're like, I don't know so much about this, you know, this embodiment of evil in, in the, the person of demons. And I would just say, if Jesus Christ rose from the grave, then, like, it's believable because he taught about demons. So as weird as that may seem, Jesus taught about it, Jesus rose from the grave, I'm gonna take his word for it. Now, it goes beyond that, though, because some of us are like, do I get like a decoder ring? Like, what's this authority for demons look like? Like, you know, I love uh, uh, the book of Revelation, so I'm interested in this. Cool your engines. Now, the big picture here is this, that one of the things that you see Jesus consistently doing is this, healing, casting out demons, being, bringing sight to the blind, and standing for the rights of the marginalized and the oppressed. You see it all throughout the Gospel of Mark. And here, this category that he speaks to is this, that he calls his disciples to do likewise, to serve, to compassionately serve, to use their power, influence, strength, and resources to serve one another, but especially the marginalized. Now, the second thing you saw in there, which was the one that I think we understand, but still we don't like, is he sends them out to preach. Now, generally, everyone in this room, except for me, thinks of the word preach as a negative, 
It's okay. You can say amen. I'll prove it to you. That was really preachy. Is that a way to say something was positive or something was negative? Right, that was super preachy. That was a really preachy movie. That was a really preachy concert. That was a really preachy conversation. Usually we mean what? Not positive? Negative. Now, don't worry. Jesus is not calling us necessarily to stand on a street corner with a bullhorn or stand behind a pulpit, of which is absent today. Jesus is calling us to be proclaimers, to proclaim the good news. Preaching is proclamation. It's living and saying the good news of Jesus. As his disciples were called not only to serve, but also to proclaim the good news that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, that he has died on our behalf, that because of his broken body and shed blood and his death on the cross, our sins are forgiven and we can be in right relationship with God. And for all who repent and turn from their sin and believe in that good news, all who call on the name of the Lord are saved. And he calls his disciples to proclaim that good news to all who will listen. But there's a third component, and you saw it there at the beginning. He called them and appointed them to be with him. To be a disciple of Jesus is not simply to be a student of a great teacher. It is not simply to be a follower of a great leader. The reason that we use the word disciple is because, number one, it's the word that Jesus uses. But the word, though it's not oftentimes used outside of settings like this anymore, the word implies that you are not only a student and not only a follower, but also someone who has a relationship with the teacher, a relationship, a deep and abiding relationship with the leader, the one whom you are following. And so Jesus calls all of us, come into a relationship with me. And he makes that relationship available to all who would call on his name, who would repent and believe in the gospel. And we as a church family, we remember that truth in the taking of communion, the broken bread and the shed blood of Jesus out of love for you. And I would encourage you today, if you haven't responded to that call to enter into a relationship with Jesus, to turn from your sin and turn to him, he's not calling you to be perfect and then turn to him, he's calling you right now in this moment, turn to him. Your mess will not surprise him. He calls to you, I love you, you are mine, come to me.